You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to, believe it or not, episode 100 of the Library Pros Podcast. I can't believe we've made it this far. I'm Chris. I can't believe anybody's still listening, and I'm Bob. And today we're coming to you from the booth at the Sachem Public Library in Holbrook, New York, the Emma S. Clark Memorial Library in Setauket, New York, and the Merrick Library in Merrick, New York. Library Pros Podcast is a bi-monthly podcast, so please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And please check us out on Twitter at The Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Library Pros. Tell a friend about us because word of mouth is the best way to help our podcast listenership grow. So today's a special day. Sure today is. we have Carol Antak, one of my besties in this business, who is the Reader's Advisory Librarian at the Merrick Library and the creator and host of the amazing podcast Top Shelf at the Merrick Library. Carol Ann is going to talk about how she developed her amazing book discussions and apply that to the imagining of Top Shelf. But since she's an alumni of the podcast, let's catch up with our good friend. It seems like forever. Full disclosure, Carol Ann and I text like 14-year-old girls. We do. And we (laughs) talked about having you back on since your first appearance back in November of 2016. Can you believe that? I can't believe it. And with your now former director and former assistant director. If you haven't heard that episode, I think I called you Carol and you corrected me politely. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. I hope it was polite. It was. Because you said, no, Carol Ann. Uh, And you spoke of this mystery sash, which we never have seen yet. So we're going to talk about the podcast in a moment, but tell us what makes you tick. Where did you start your career and what brought you to public libraries and what makes you get up in the morning, put on your library face and go to work? Well, first, Chris and Bob, what an honor to be the 100th episode. There are days I feel 100. So I feel like this is a lot easier than feeling like 100 on an average day. Thank you guys both so much for having me on Library Pros Podcast. You guys are doing the work of, I don't know, angels fighting the good fight out there, giving all the information to librarians. It's a blessing to have this podcast out there. I listen Okay, I'm just going to wax rhapsodic, so I'll stop there. Uh, But also, I want to congratulate Chris on winning the LDA Award for Nassau and Suffolk County. Chris, congratulations on that rather auspicious award. It is very nice for excellent people to get recognized for excellent things. That sure is. That's true. I I got nothing. (laughs) Thank you. Now I'm interviewing (laughs) you. See, I just turned. See how I did that? Because I don't want to talk about me. I'm going to go back. That's great. We should set an episode up for that. That's a good idea. Oh, my God. You're flipping flipping the script again? How'd you get where you are, Chris? (laughs) Oh, boy. Maybe maybe we shouldn't talk about that today on this particular episode. (laughs) It's a Monday. So So thank you, Carol Ann. Honestly, it's great. (laughs) And Carol Ann was was one of the instrumental people that helped me um, get nominated for the award. She's one of the people along with Keisha Watson Phillips, who's an alumni of the podcast. And, and of course, Sally Stiglitz and Nancy Evans, director of West Bab, who also is an alum and Santisha Kendrick Samuel, another alum and a four timer on the podcast. They all wrote letters on my behalf. Why? I don't know. You'll get a check in the mail. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, okay. so, yeah, so yeah, I was lucky to win that award and I had to give a speech and everything. So I embarrassed it myself real good. I'm sorry I wasn't there to watch it. I was uh, away, but it was nice to get um, people sent some clips. So it was nice to see you up there getting your just desserts. That award is beautiful and you deserved all of it. So yeah, congratulations right. again. Thank that's you. That's right. That's awesome. So stop avoiding the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. You know how uncomfortable I am doing this kind of thing. Well, I started my career as a library assistant for um, a management consulting firm called the Diebold Group. It was a private sector, corporate library, and it was a college work-study job while I was attending Marymount Manhattan College. And interestingly enough, John Diebold wrote a book back in the day called Automation, which was linked to management and corporations using automation to work better and be more effective. And he's also actually called the father of automation. So, you know, using computers and companies, putting IT on the map as a function of staff. So I think that that's kind of interesting where you see where I wound up. I had no idea that working under the auspices of the father of automation would put me here. Um, I love being a library assistant. I loved being in the corporate world. I love that fast-paced environment. And that's when I learned that libraries are everywhere, that I could do anything in the world. Um, again, that fast-paced environment, I that's where I began my corporate uh, library career. And then I was working in commercial real estate, uh, magazine publishing, corporate finance, investment banking. And if I sound like I miss that environment, I do, because it was fun. It was fast paced. Um, and then after 9-11, I had two little kids at home. So I decided to stay closer to home. And I bounced around in the area as a teaching assistant in the district. And then I thought, just get on the civil service librarian list. And that's how I got to the Merrick Library, which is actually uh, the community that I live in. So I actually work at the library in the town that I live in. So every day... I, I get to see people of the community, my neighbors, which is which is really which is really gratifying. And as to you know, the last part of that question, putting on my library face, um, I think that's just me doing the job as a librarian for over thirty five years. I've seen a lot, so without a hair and makeup crew, I hope for the best every day. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine, Carolyn. And to work in the community that you live in, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. So my wife, you know, we we live in the community that she works in, and it it look we all do great things, but I think there's this extra two percent that you give when you live in the district. And for me, I I work in an adjoining district, and I grew up on the other side. So I live on the west side of the district I serve. I grew up on the east side of the district that I serve. So. I treat it as though it's my district because I go shopping in this neighborhood. I, you know, I do a lot of things in this neighborhood and it, I'm, I live so close to the border that it, I see the same thing. I, f I feel as though it's my, my district. So, I mean, I do reader's advisory and stop and shop. Somebody will come in and say, Carolyn, what are you, you know, I mean, it's, and I'm standing there with my, my frozen blueberries melting <laughs> and I'm doing reader's advisory. So. I do the same thing in Joanne Craft store. Oh yeah. The cricket. Yeah. That's the material there that we use. Absolutely. Great. occupational hazard yes it is indeed and or yeah stop and shop or yeah trader joe's you know nordstrom never off, never off the job right yeah, yeah it exactly. is true 
So needless to say, Carolyn, your personality comes through in your voice, right? That Brooklyn accent we were just talking about, Chris and I. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Anyway. No, I love it. I, we love it. We love it. So you can hear the smile when you talk, um, and you should see it. Beautiful. So we know you're a self-starter, uh, like some of us. So we, and where do you think that comes from? So Chris put in here that your, your mom and her frequent visits to the local precinct house. Well, it's funny. She was not arrested. So let me just copy off that right <laughs> off the bat. She yeah, didn't do see. anything nefarious that wound up where she was in the local precinct house behind bars. That's never been the case. But probably at a young age, I noticed, I would see my mom going to work every day. And one of the things, probably the first exposure to me of what we now call outreach in our community is my mom doing all sorts of things connected with her job to the local precinct, doing like the policeman's mass, the church bazaar, uh, running the card parties, running all of these events through the school that I attended and watching her do that. And she was having a ball. She was having so much fun talking to everybody, rallying people's support for whatever the event was, fundraising. And watching her do that, I thought, well, I, I can do, I want to do that. I want to be like my mom. You know, I thought she, she, and she nailed it. And she became this pillar of the community. And even to the point where she was doing running our block parties, bringing people together. The town that I grew up in, in Brooklyn, in uh, Borough Park, was really a true melting pot. Um, all different nationalities and religious beliefs. But then we all managed to come together. She got everybody to come together to do these block parties. And I, I was fascinated by her ability to talk to everyone and listen to what they were saying and how this would benefit everybody as neighbors. And that's really fr <laughs> freaking inspiring. <laughs> I almost used another word, but <laughs> there's the Brooklyn coming out. I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, that's probably where, um, to your question, Bob, I think that that's how I, how I got there, you know, watching my mom do all of this outreach to people that she had really, at the time, I thought nothing in common with, except that when you think about it now, it's their basic humanity. Hmm. So she was able to appeal on that level. And that's a talent that's really hard. Um, and some people just don't have it. Most people get, don't have it. Yeah. And to put together a, a Brooklyn block party. I remember the ones that were on my dad's street in Park Slope. And oh my God, everything from ponies to Zeppelis to amusement park rides. That were probably maybe not really licensed. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it was, <laughs> know, you know. It's Park Slope. So, you know, anything's possible. That tilt the world on a rickety thing was not probably so good. And it, it was came within, within an inch of one of the brownstones as it tilted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta love it. Oh, God. Okay. So we've known you for quite some time. And your work is a thing of legend in Nassau County here on Long Island. Where did your passion for the horror genre come from and how you tied it into book discussions? So uh, my passion for horror started really, really young because my parents were just into that. My mother was a huge, huge reader and she would read everything. And it was really funny because I remember reading some of her books off the bookshelf because you're a kid. You just want to glance and see what's what's written inside. And I remember reading one book that she had. And then I remember going into school and reading within my age group. And I thought, oh, your gosh, you know, not that I was a real, you know, so super smart or anything, but it was hard to go from what my mom was reading to then the age group 
books designated for me. And I thought, oh, I don't really know. This is where I want to go because I was reading horror. I was reading suspense. Everything my mom was reading, I was looking at. So I think that's where it started for both my parents taking us to the movies and and, and all of those things. Um, and so incorporating that into the podcast was me starting out with fiction and then some nonfiction and then saying, well, you know, let's see if I can take the listeners with me because I'm not serving science fiction based people. I'm not serving the horror group people. So let me bring in these authors. And a lot of them said yes to the dress. So I just went with what I knew, what I was comfortable with and what I loved. All right. So we're going to take a short break. And when we return, we are going to chat with our friend Carol Ann about her work as a book discussion legend in Nassau County and how Top Shelf came to be. So we will be right back. And we're back with our friend, episode 100, Carol Ann Tack. All right. So in the last segment, we talked about how you got started in this profession. Your book discussions attract crowds. Most book discussions are considered a success if they have five or six people. You attract 20, 30, or more. And you even sometimes moderate the discussions in costume, a.k.a. the astronaut outfit. (laughs) And you even actually have the author in the book discussion, which is unbelievable. What was the spark for your innovative approach to book discussions? And are you willing to share your secret sauce for others out there who want to achieve what you've done over there at Merrick? Oh, that is such a nice question. I don't even know how to answer that without blushing a little bit. Well, that's because I'm getting you back for the LDA thing. Oh, (laughs) right. Yes, that's good. Touche, Chris. Touche, Christopher. Okay. I see what we're doing here. Um, (laughs) Well, I, you know, I think I don't have a secret sauce. Everybody has a secret sauce that works. So maybe that's not true. Everyone has a secret sauce that works for them. I am comfortable with the stuff that I do for the patrons. I will deliver a product. I will deliver a book discussion that excites me. And if it's exciting to me, I'm hoping to translate that to the people that come in to the discussion, whether it's via Zoom, whether it's in person. Um, We've started doing that again, where we have authors coming back into the building. Thank you so much, because hopefully we can get back on track with that. Um, At some point, we had 50 50, 60 people coming in to meet the authors, uh, to have a great time for close to an hour and a half, two hours, you know. Um, but sparking such enthusiasm from the crowd, I will host a book that I loved and then I share that with the community. So if I can pass that on to the viewers in the room, to whoever's listening, then it's a total success. I feel like there are so many people who are doing incredible book discussions in Nassau and in Suffolk, and they're choosing the success keys that work best for them. 
I can't do something. I can't do a mirrored copy of, let's say, Chris, you're doing a book discussion. I can't copy what you do because I don't do it the same way that you do it. Trust me, if I'm doing a book discussion, the last thing you want to do is copy it. (laughs) (laughs) But I think both of you, especially even you, Bob, right? You've seen book discussions. You know how the the pattern works. You know, um, we were talking about this off mic, but, you know, we know how to stay in our lane. And I, I look at, I've not seen what other book discussions do. I mean, I've been to others because I see other libraries hosting a great author. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to see that person. And so I become a fan right along with everybody else who's viewing it. Um, I I don't know the answer exactly. Once I'm in it, I want to say I go into a fugue state and everything else goes away, except my interaction with the patrons and the author and the book. So and I, the reason I wound up doing the one Mike Massimino discussion, uh, he was a Long Island Reads choice for his book, um, the nonfiction title. He's a, a astronaut who lived, born and raised on Long Island, and, and he's moved around since then. But he's on TV and doing all these things. But I happen to be a sci- sci-fi geek also. So I love science fiction. I will probably never, ever go into outer space because I've read too many sci-fi horror things. I know what can go wrong. I've seen Alien way too many times for comfort. <laughs> so I won't do that. But, you know, I have Halloween. I get myself a NASA fly suit and uh, a NASA fly suit and then I go out and do my thing. So it just worked out that I happened to have it on that day. I don't know if I answered that question the right way or not. <laughs> no, you did fine. I mean, that spark is there. You can hear it in your voice. It's fun. It's fun. It's enlightening. If I can bring that to other people, especially my neighbors in my Merrick community, that is a win. I want them to come in. I want them to sit down and have a great time for an hour and a half to two hours. I want them to meet the author, use the the brains, the, the, the brain power to talk about the books and all of those things. And um, that when that happens, I'm out of the, I'm on a rush. I should really check my heart rate afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. They're so they're so blessed to have you too as a community. Oh, not great. not only as a community member, but also as a as a library employee. Well, so. Thank you, thank you. So thank as you. we can hear, other than book discussions, you are such a well rounded person. No, no, no less librarian. Uh, you are modest about it, but you are so good at reference work, including readers' advisory, which uh, Chris just admitted is not his strongest suit. Um, so <laughs> tell us what it takes to be good at readers' advisory and really do it with such passion, passion and such purpose. I think like other librarians who do what I do, because we are legion, there's many of us, you read a lot. I read a lot. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. There's a lot of either I'm reading a book on my phone, I'm reading a book on my Kindle, I'm reading, listening to a book on my uh, headphones through a wherever I'm listening to the book from, whether it's a galley or an e-galley, reading it or, or any of those things. I've been reading for so long. And happily, this is not, a reading for me is not a chore. It is a someone opening up, I don't want to say the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe kind of thing, but if you can imagine somebody just opening up those wardrobe doors and you keep going until you find this other place. Um, it's, it's, um, I love to read. You know, I'm out of myself when I'm reading. I'm just in this world 
I do the buy-in from the author, wherever the author is willing to take me, I am willing to go, which is another reason why I love debuts so much. Um, because it's a new voice, it's a fresh voice. It's usually a fresh take. Uh, whether I interview on the podcast, somebody who it's their first book, their fifth book or their 25th book, I loving what they're putting out. And then I'm trying to bring that either in person to the library or, or onto the podcast. Um, I even read out of my comfort zone. So, um, which is hard because, um, there's a lot of things I don't know. And sometimes I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of that. Um, but I think like any strong readers advisory librarian, both NASA Suffolk across the country, there's so many of us and we, we really love what we do. We do a lot of reading. We spend a lot of time, not library time, off library time, reading and talking about books. Yeah. It's that whole reading thing. Yeah. That's part of it. <laughs> that's a small part of it. Chris. Well, good point, Chris. So, I mean, I'd like, to, can we talk about that for a second? So how much time um, library professionals spend off the library clock doing li library related or something that will relate to their job down the road tomorrow, next week? Um, so, you know, you, you read because you love reading. I read because I love reading. But, um, you know, you get involved in so much that you're going to bring to the job tomorrow or next week, not on the clock. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you separate your personal passions with reading from your professional need to read? Or, or do you? Maybe you don't. It's really hard. You can get on that treadmill of reading to serve the show or reading. So most of the, it's hard because it, it's hard. To, the, it's, the lines blur. I'm not even going to sugarcoat that. The lines blur and it's very hard. But if there's something I really want to read because I heard, oh my gosh, this is great. This so-and-so has a new book coming out and I just got the galley. I will stop everything that I'm doing to read for my pleasure. And that's wonderful. And then some, you know, you get a big box of galleys at work and it's like Christmas. And then you're kind of shuffling through and then you pick up a book. You're like, this one looks great. Who was this author? I've never heard of this. And then I'm down the rabbit hole. So everything I read, I have an eye towards either a book discussion or the podcast. Even if it's an older book that I may have missed. Let's say I recently reacquainted myself with The Shell Seekers by Rosamund uh, Pilcher, I think. I can't exactly remember the last name. But I thought, wow, this still holds up. This could still be a great book discussion. And I kind of, you know, read that, read that by myself. And I thought, well, right. So everything I'm reading is in mind to be used for future, whether that's not in my best interest as a employee. I don't know. <laughs> How about that? So let's go back to the moment that spark hit you. The day you said, I want to start a podcast. And did you know right away how it was going to start? Talk about what you thought about, how you thought it was going to sound like, all that stuff. Because you had to have had it in your head. I mean, I remember when we first started talking about it, you had something, you had a vision in your head. So tell us like where that, that initial thing started from. Because I had been doing the book discussions for a while, you guys came, I would think you said 2016 was our first, the time, the first time I met uh, Bob and Chris, the first time I met the both of you, I had been doing book discussions. They had been successful. They had been really fun. I don't even want to say successful. They had just been fun. 
and enthusiastic and really just a wonderful time for the people who came in. And it was a special thing that we were doing. And when I say me, it, we, I mean the list, the, the participants, the patrons who came in and me, we had this thing going on and it was really fun to be with them, bounce off their discussions, their, their impressions, their, um, opinions, their comments, and knowing that it was a safe space that they could do that. So when, and then they, at the end of the discussion, what are you reading? What are you reading? And I always have something prepared to share about what I was reading and then do those sort of reader's advisory recommendations towards the end of the discussion, unless we ran too long and literally they were kicking us out for the next program, which happened more often than not. But then you guys, the library's pros come in and you start talking about the stuff that you're doing. And I remember you were saying, well, this is what the podcast does, the library post. So I had started listening and I thought, wow, they what really- What a bunch of crap this is. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can do it so much better than these two clowns. Right. <laughs> in the, only in my lane, right? Only in the lane that I want to drive in. I could never do what you and Bob do. In a million years, I don't think I could do what you guys do. Because it's not something I'm I'm well versed at. I'm not informed enough to to do what you guys have been so successful of doing for a hundred episodes. Although this may tank your ratings. Only <laughs> <laughs> well, because Chris and I are on it. That's the only reason why it'll tank. Yeah, our and you're making a big deal about a hundred. You passed us. You blew us away. <laughs> but that well, it's just timing. Really, is it's just timing. But when you guys came in and started interviewing us. I th- I was sitting there listening to how you were structuring the interview and how you were going about it. And I thought, well, I have, I like that you had things to say about the library world and how librarians manage and the products that we deliver and how we do it. And I thought to myself afterwards, well, can I do the same thing for books? Now, remember, this is 2016. I really didn't listen to many podcasts. I didn't even know that this was possible. And I just, at that moment, talking to you and Bob, started thinking, well, if I can do this for books and I can host some authors, this could be a really nice thing. Of course, I had no idea. Other people, millions of other people, so many people are doing it now. So it's almost not even a, it's not a big deal. But at the time, it was a big deal. It was a big deal for me. And I remember sitting down with you and I said to Chris, look, I have this idea. I know what it's even going to sound like. I know what that vision is. It just came to me really quickly, just on the heels of that interview with you and Bob. Chris, look what you started. Yeah, yeah. Chris. <laughs> Are you responsible for this? He so is. Oh, my God. He's so is. Yeah. He's got the kick me sign on the back of his shirt. God. So, Carolyn, we know you're going to say that you're not techie. Um, oh, my God, I'm not. But you took your passion of book discussions and you turned it into a podcast, which is not a small leap, especially for when you started it. So we know you just told us about the inspiration, but let's get into the weeds a little bit. Uh, Talk about the ups and the downs of the tech that you had to evolve with and start with and kind of what you're running with now. Uh, Well, the funny thing about this question is that I remember doing a and really how anyone did not laugh me out of the room at that event. Chris hosted a TIFF, what is it? The technical, what's your TIFF meetings mm-hmm. called? And so he was like, you should come. I want you to talk about what you're doing. And I said, are you kidding me? 
they're going to laugh me out of the room. Because to me, or my impression of all of those very smart people in the room is that this was like ground ball stuff for them. So me using tech to do a book discussion just seemed like they would be like, of course, well, of course, you know, Carol Ann, this is not something new, but it was new for me. And it was new for the patrons and the attendees of the discussions employing tech in this way to flesh out and make more vibrant the discussion we were about to have. And it really, really did. And then, so that's how I did tech in the, in the book discussions. And then what was happening was other librarians were calling because they had heard, Hey, I hear you're doing this. How do you do that? And I'm like, are you kidding? You're calling me. So, which is, which is really kind of funny. And I'm like, well, look, I don't know what I can tell you, but I can tell you this and, and, um, fearful of, of tech. And so when I was doing your TIFF meeting, one of the things I said was I called it the good, the bad, and the ugly, the good things that happened in the book discussions, <laughs> the bad things and the very, very ugly. So I had the same experience with the podcast and I'm not going to lie. Chris was always my 11th hour, 12th hour zero zero hour. Chris, I can't, what's happening? I don't know what's going on. I have recorded a podcast and I wasn't recording at all. And then I realized 20 minutes in and I have to make the embarrassing disclosure to the author. Oh my gosh. I thought I hit record and I hit stop instead. (laughs) So um, those are a lot of rookie mistakes, but even when you're feeling overwhelmed or whatever, you still make those mistakes. So um, there's a lot of good, bad, and ugly on the podcast. Sending sometimes on occasion, I've, well, it only really only happened once, but I, full disclosure, because I have nothing. I sent the wrong Zoom link to an author <laughs> and the publicist is like, Carolyn, where are you? I'm like, I'm here. Going back in and, and trying to, you know, get the author on. I'm very honest about all of the mistakes I made because I make a lot, but they keep my hair colorist employed. I'll tell you that because (laughs) 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 so that's one thing. Uh, The equipment that I use now is, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go I with all of it. Um, I use a, uh, a soundboard. I couldn't really even tell you the name exactly. It's a Behringer. And I don't know what model it is, but it works. It's an old model. Um, I'm comfortable with it. If someone said to me, here, we're going to give you a whole new setup, I would probably cry <laughs> in fear. And that would be the, that's my horror story. See, there you go. This is the horror piece of this. Getting new tech and someone saying, gee, you know, you could do better. You don't really need to use this old iPad. Why don't you, you know, why don't you do whatever? Um so I, I have a soundboard hooked up to a um, iPad, which is hooked up to a laptop. And then I have really wonderful microphones. And I know that is about as rudimentary as you're going to, this is as techy as you're going to get from me. But let's just say it all works. Sometimes I think maybe I should sprinkle holy water on it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, don't sprinkle water on it. It's the worst I, thing you can joke. do. That was a joke. Because... Oh my goodness. Holy or not, it's still not going to. No, of course. It's a joke. Oh my God. Um, you're so Brooklyn. I know, <laughs> but it's so it's older tech, but it's working tech. And as till such time as it goes kablooey, um, then I will call, I don't know, Chris or Bob. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Say, what do I get guys? This is happening. But also I've worked with 
the soundboard to create, you know, certain things. I like my sound a little deeper. Or I like it a little more crisp. I'm a really fan of a crisper sound. And, and I think that comes across in the podcast. So, but yeah, I am terrified of tech. I think it's the fear of the unknown, to be honest with you, right? Because I don't know from one day to the next, is this going to work? And I, I feel very um, held hostage to that. But I mean, you took to it right away. I mean, when I was showing you how to do stuff, you took to it and you ran with it. And that, that gives you, I should give you the credit that, that you deserve. You, you do it Thank and you, you do it and you're cranking out the episodes and they sound amazing. Thank you. That was, it took me a while, but in fact, I listened recently to an episode. So I don't know, what am I up to? 124 now. Um, when I listened back to something from, I think it was either the 45th or the 46th episode. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's your horror story right there. <laughs> <laughs> but the authors come back up, bless them, because they, they're like, yes, we want to be on. Okay. So Top Shelf is now a leading podcast where you interview authors from the newest to the legendary. And you now are one of the stops on the virtual book tour list. So first, how do Bob and I get press credentials like you seem to have? <laughs> and second, how does it feel to be getting galleys all the time from publishers and really get on their radar? The galleys from the publishers is a dream come true. Those boxes that come in, um, their packages, they're just huge, huge boxes filled with books. That's a dream come true for any reader because at the very core of me is that I am a big reader. So when someone's just handing me books that have yet to come out to here, read this, what do you think? Uh, you know, and, and being in that luxurious position of getting those things. And again, it's not just me. There are librarians all over Nassau Suffolk who are doing the same exact thing. They're getting these boxes of books and galleys and e-galleys and um, audio galleys. You know, it's like, it's like I said, it's your birthday and you're getting all of these, you're getting all of these, these gifts. So I think because I'm doing more and more and authors are saying more. Yeah, you know, they're hearing their author friends on the show. So they want to be on. Or the publicist is saying, hey, these are the list of people we think you should look at. You know, I think it varies from publisher to publisher. Sometimes I make the overtures myself through the publicist. Sometimes I, you know, it just depends on, on how it all works. But if you do the podcast, as long as I've been doing it, even though it doesn't seem like a long time, it's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of editing time. Um, you just get yourself in the conversation like you guys, probably everybody probably wants to be on the library pros for things that they're doing, innovative technology, innovative ways of doing reference, innovative ways of delivering information. So I feel like you guys are probably in the same realm of wiring guests who want to talk about their thing. Yeah, that happens from time to time. No, but I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, it's a passion. And if somebody has something that I, it's always great when I get an email, hey, I want to come on your podcast. I'm like, oh, that's great. Because, you know, it's another person we can get on to, to give voice to what they're doing. And sometimes people need that voice. And if they want to do it here, I don't have a problem with it. It's, it's one right. of those things where, I mean, you do it with, with new authors and you can always tell when you're interviewing a new author, the excitement in their voice, you know, it, oh my God, I'm actually getting interviewed about this thing that I put my blood, sweat, and tears into and somebody actually really cares and somebody's going to read this. And, you know, that's, I think, it, look, you've you've interviewed the, the legendary and you've interviewed newer authors and every single one you give so much equal attention to 
your enthusiasm. I, I said this off mic. You can hear your smile when you speak and you can hear the passion in your voice when you're doing your podcast. So it's totally there. So when I do the podcast, when I host an author in person, when I do uh, interviews on Instagram live or Facebook live or whoever, however I do it, you, you raised a really good point. This is their baby. And I love sharing what I loved about their baby with everybody who will listen. So, you know, that puts me in a really good spot. I agree with Chris. I mean, the passion that you bring to just the episodes that you've done with us is uh, we haven't seen it in any other guest. I don't think Chris uh, like this. So, I mean, we're amazed, right? But what you've built up at Merrick, uh, and I'm sure you could create more podcasts if you had the time because your imagination, like we were just saying, is is limit, just seems limitless. Uh, and we would be remiss if we didn't mention that you work with students at the Harvard Medical School mentoring in podcasting. So Chris and I both feel like you could literally go anywhere and do anything. Uh, and that's, that's, you bring a lot of passion to pretty much everything that, that we've seen you do and talk about. So what word of advice would you have for someone who has the spark and wants to start a podcast, but doesn't know where to begin? See, I guess the first thing is put the tech piece of it aside. Don't worry about getting the tech. Be concerned with what your message is, what you want to say, what is so important to you, what puts fire in your gut to give something of value to your listeners. What's your hook? If it's me doing authors, book discussions, things that I'm reading, or it's Chris and Bob doing the service that they do to all the librarians, really ac across the globe. I mean, what you guys are doing is global. And while you have so many listeners listening to that expertise that you share through your guests to all of us librarians. So I feel like if somebody is starting something new, what is it you want to say? Commit to it. And then eventually, as you start formulating your idea, your idea may start at A, but you may wind up at C and realize that that's where you feel most comfortable. So don't let tech stop you. Find out what it is you want to say. Gather your thoughts. And I will tell you, it's very, it comes as quick as an inspiration. Right after talking to both of you guys, my immediate thought was, I can do this for books. And I know what I want it to sound like. I know what I want listeners to think they're listening to and creating this atmosphere for them. So then you have to figure out the tech part, which is easier than you think, but it's very helpful to have somebody like Christy Cristofaro as a <laughs> friend to help you figure these things out. I mean, it actually gets to the point with Chris where I'll say, oh God, I, I want to try this. I don't know how to do it. And then if he's unavailable, obviously he's working. He's like working at the desk. He's in his tech office. He's doing the thing. I'll figure it out. And I'll write, hey, I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a great feeling, right? It is a great feeling. And then I'll say, hey, you know, I thought I realized I could do this, 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 and this. And he's always very kind to me and doesn't laugh at me. So <laughs> no, I wouldn't laugh at you. Yes. So starting the podcast, come up with your idea. What is it you want to say? And if it's something that you feel passionate about, that's it. You're done. Then you just have to buy the tech. I love that you said that, Caroline. When you started, you said put the tech aside because that is 90, probably 95 to 99% the fear of every person looking to do something new, not even just for podcasting, but really for anything. It's like put put that aside and and take one step, put it in front of the other, and just start going down the path and, and adjust as you go and then add the tech to it. And of course, uh, with everybody listening, call Chris if you have a problem. I don't, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, 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 he's got the time. So, yeah. 
Yeah, right. For a small fee, however. For a small fee, an introductory fee. <laughs> right, which he really should do. <laughs> yeah, no, so I hope that answers your question. So we were so happy to get this superstar on the podcast for a second time. She's so busy doing so many things for libraries. I'm sure the sky's the limit for you in the future and what you can do moving forward. When we come back, we're going to be asking Carolyn our top 10 library questions, which she's already answered. So we're going to check her to see what her answers were before. And we, we really didn't do that. But it's fun to go back to 16 and see if she answers the questions the same way. I don't even know. I swear. And that was all the way back in episode 12. Can you believe that? Oh, my gosh. That's wild. And, of course, we always give credit to Melanie Cardone from the Longwood Public Library for naming the list of questions we ask all our guests. So we will be right back. Thanks a lot, Melanie. And we're back with Carol Ann Tech, Reader's Advisory Librarian and podcast host at the Merrick Library, who will be our next participant in our 032 list. Are you ready? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not good at this. <laughs> what did you want to be when you were a child? Oh, my gosh. Well, I guess, you know, I actually always thought I could be an astronaut. I don't know why. I mean, that was when I read that list when you sent it to me, I thought that was the first thing I thought. And then the second thing I thought was, well, maybe I should go into acting because I seem to be pretty um, lively and I don't know. So those would probably be the first two things. You would have been great in theater. I yeah. I mean, tremendous in theater. Obviously. I, I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> I got off at the wrong exit. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so what would you say is your first memory of a library and who brought you to the library for the first time? Going right back to my mom, there was a library on 43rd Street in Brooklyn, right off 13th Avenue, and she would take us there. And we, you know, we didn't have a whole lot growing up. So being able to go into the library and get free books was like, are you kidding me? This is amazing. Um, and then after mom started doing that with, with Christine and I, and we would go in and they were, you know, Back in the day, I mean, I, maybe they still have this, you know, you, you had a limit to how many books you could take out. But then we became friendly enough with the librarian and she was like, you know, whatever you want. You guys are so good. We always brought them back on time. We didn't, you know. So um, those are my first memories. So when did you decide? I know we covered this a little bit earlier, but when did you decide, really decide to work in libraries? Well, I think after that first college work study job uh, working for the Diebold Group, when I thought, wait, I can make money doing this. <laughs> um, and it was fun and it was exciting. And then I just didn't, I went all in on private sector libraries and working in the corporate environment and finance and, and all of those other things. And I, I loved it. A lot of D&B, huh? Yeah, it was great. Oh my God. Yes. 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 A lot. <laughs> And being in on the big meetings with the brokers and, and mergers and acquisitions and risk arbitrage, it was really wonderful. It was really great. So who would you say is your favorite fictional librarian? You know, I don't remember what I, I don't remember what or how I answered this the first time. Um, I don't really, I, I'm going to say that I don't have one because I don't, 
I can't think of anybody. I really can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Maybe um, uh, I think Rupert Rupert uh, Giles, maybe from Buffy, but that's the only one that that comes to my mind, real quick. Okay, so what would you be doing if you were not working as a librarian? Oh my God, I cannot even. I don't know. Especially, well, I guess if you asked me that in 2016, my answer would be different than my answer in 2023. Um, now that I know what I know, I would be doing a couple of things that may happen in the future. So maybe I'm not going to share that right now. Oh, look at that. Ooh, a teaser. <laughs> Episode 150, coming down. I, yeah, right. <laughs> Bob, you're funny. Yes, right, exactly. Right. So, <laughs> so what would you say is your favorite section of the library? Well, I mean, you know, the nearest and dearest. Listen, I love fiction. I love literary fiction. I just love reading all the genres, but I love horror sci-fi sections. You know, if I could have beautifully with no space to have, you know, one of these big monster. I use that word truly like a monster section filled with horror, sci-fi, uh, science fiction, horror, all of that. I would that would be where my heart would go. I think you just answered my next question. If you had <laughs> infinite space and budget, what would you add to your library, the Merrick Library? Yeah, I would probably create a whole area where you can sit down, check books out, make a little conversation area. Not that, you know, just just to, I want to say make it inviting, but it's, you know, to the horror people, I guess. So what do you absolutely love about libraries? Oh my gosh. Well, for me, it's working in the community that I live in. I think oh, what I love about libraries is that everybody can do anything at any place. Any library can bring in crowds to their discussions, to their events, to whatever thing they're hosting. As long as people come, I don't care where they use their library. We invite everybody in to partake of all of the things that we have in today's 2023 library. We got a lot of stuff. We offer a lot of things. What's the weirdest, not worst, but weirdest thing that's ever happened in your library career? Weirdest thing. Um, I happened to be in a restaurant with my husband, we were eating. The person behind me leaned over and said, hey, do you work in Merrick Library? I said, oh, yes, I do. And this person said, I listen to your podcast and I recognize your voice. That was the weirdest thing. Andy must love that. Oh, my gosh. He thought it was hysterical. He was just like, look at your face right now. I didn't know what to do. So do you think you have a favorite, a favorite regular patron? Like, is there a patron that really sticks out? I have the, there's, I would call this uh, a group because it's the people that come, the Merrick locals, even if they're not Merrick locals, the patrons that come and visit the book discussion and come in person and are there every single month. I host the book discussion every month, except for August, because August I'm usually exhausted. But that group of people that come in every month, rain or shine, Zoom or in person, those are the people doing the, the good work. They're coming, they're sharing, they're, they're all in. And I love, I love that. I think that's not, it's, it's not easy to have that. My group of the group of regulars, they're not my group, but the group that comes to the discussion to share. So there's at least of that group, there's like 25 who come every single month. 
Our final question. What are people without library cards missing out on? Oh, gosh. Everything. Everything. And, you know, we keep saying this, but audiobooks, ebooks, movies, if you want. We have so many different ways that you could watch TV shows, British shows, movies on Hoopla. It's just with no... I mean, you can have unlimited checkouts on some of them. It, it, there's so many different things, and I'm not sure how that message is getting out. I'm hoping we've seen an uptick in uses of those services that we offer. Just don't know if that's known more widely, say, across you know the span. Um, but there's so many things. There's so much content you have access to. I don't want to say it's not just books because it's books in different formats. So... There's a lot, there's yeah, a lot a of stuff lot out there that we there. do for them. Dare okay. I say volumes? Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry. You asked me to come on. What did you think? Well, we've come to the, we, we've come quickly to the end of our episode. <laughs> I don't know if the, I don't know if the listeners feel it was so quick, but. No, are you kidding? No, that's great. <laughs> so we got to give a plug for it. Top shelf of the Merrick Library. Top shelf at MerrickLibrary.Blueberry.Net or anywhere you get your podcasts. We made sure that it's everywhere. If you just Google Top Shelf at Merrick Library, a billion things pop up. It's the easiest podcast to find, and she does a great job doing it. Carol Ann, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, my gosh. Chris and Bob, you're giving me tears right now. Thank you so much for hosting me. I am so honored to be the 100th guest feeling like I I feel like I'm 100, as I've said. But thank you guys so much for hosting me. This has been great. I could keep going and talk to you guys all day. If you ever need anything from me, you need only call. You know that. It's amazing work. Yes. Thanks great, again, Great Karen. to have you. And again, thank you for all, both of your support of the show, of me, and um, everything I'm trying to do. It, it, it means the world to me. We have come to the end of another episode of The Library Pros, and we thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments on this or any episode, click on the Contact Us form on our website, thelibrarypros.com. Visit us on Twitter at The Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibrarypros. Don't forget to tell a friend or colleague and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to our podcasting engineer, Dean Meyer. Remember, the opinions stated by The Library Pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob, and are not those of the Sachem Public Library, the MS Clark Memorial Library, or any other library. See you next time. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippin Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Christofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachem Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.